0: From the Evening Standard in London. This is The Leader. Standard, your standard. Hi, I'm David Marsland. There is a new plan for a Brexit deal sitting on the Prime Minister's desk, and the
1: Evening Standard has had a look. Is he going to take the plunge? Is he going to uh, make that big decision to attach his name to something that could bring him down?
0: Our editor George Osborne takes us through it, but will Boris Johnson put his name to it? Also,
2: I'll have the scars on my head for the rest of my life. The scars on my hand, they'll be for the rest of my life.
0: In his first interview, Britain's bravest cop, PC Stuart Outen, tells us he plans to go back on duty as he continues to recover from a machete attack in London. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is the leader. You can read the whole thing in the paper or head to standard.co.uk. In a moment, our editor George Osborne on the big decision Boris Johnson must make over a potential Brexit deal.
1: This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition.
3: Take this country out of the European Union on October the 31st. Of... We're working incredibly hard to get a deal. There is a, the, the, the rough shape of a deal uh, to be done, as some of you may have seen.
0: There is a Brexit plan, but will the Prime Minister like it? The evening standards revealed the outlines of what Number 10's thinking. Here's what we think.
1: Ignore all the talk of a thaw in negotiations with the EU. Brussels will not offer Britain's latest Prime Minister anything substantially different from what they gave the last one. When Theresa May, after much hesitation, agreed to these terms, her Foreign Secretary resigned, Mr Johnson. Tory MPs, including Mr Johnson, voted against her. And, caught by the deadline she had herself set, she was harried out of Downing Street by her enemies, including Mr Johnson. Now the same Mr Johnson rightly worries that if he signs a deal, a similar fate awaits him.
0: Since becoming Prime Minister with that vow to get Brexit done, do or die, by October 31st, preferably with a deal, he says, we've all been waiting to see Boris Johnson's plan. Well, the evening Standard is the first to get a glimpse of what Downing Street's showing the PM, and our editor George Osborne is with me now in his office to take us through it. George, first of all, from what we know, is this any different? to the deals that have failed
1: in Parliament. Well, Boris Johnson's got a very difficult decision, which is, does he essentially represent to the House of Commons and his own Cabinet a plan that he resigned from the Cabinet over and voted against in Parliament? And that's a decision he now will have to confront over the coming days. And we take people through in our editorial uh, what the elements of the deal are with the EU, why it's very similar to the one that Theresa May uh, brought back. And pose the question, is he going to take the plunge? Is he going to make that big decision to attach his name to something that could bring him down? So signing
0: up to the European Court of Justice is in it, isn't it? There's uh, going to be a a kind of backstop that involves just Northern Ireland and not the rest of the United Kingdom. People are going to look at this and go, this is just what we've seen before.
1: Well, I think a lot of the deal is already baked in. And it's not really a negotiation with the EU because they're not going to offer Boris Johnson anything very different from what they offered Theresa May. And they can't, if you think about it. uh, 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 You can't have a situation where the EU gives to governments inside the EU, or indeed those attempting to leave, something better when they bring their government down than (laughs) when they don't. So Boris Johnson will get a very similar offer to the one that Theresa May had, which is pay us money, follow our laws and shadow them, essentially, and uh, make sure that the border in Northern Ireland is kept open. And how that is kept open has become the kind of key issue, this so-called backstop. And without getting too technical about it, although we take readers through it in the paper today, uh, Boris Johnson is going to move away from a backstop that's about the whole of the UK to one that's just about Northern Ireland. In other words, the checks, the border, if you like, for regulation and businesses will be in the Irish Sea, not on the land border between uh, Ireland and Northern Ireland. How does he sell that?
0: to Tory backbenchers, to the European Research Group, to Jacob Rees-Mogg, how are they going to buy into this?
1: Well, I think there will be some bells and whistles attached to the same present that they rejected last time. Uh, So, for example, they'll point to the fact that some of the agriculture checks already take place uh, between Northern Ireland and the rest of the UK. Uh, They will give a role to Northern Ireland politicians at Stormont uh, that they didn't previously give they'll actually write into some of the text uh, some of the ideas of sort of remote uh, centers away from the border where some of the checks will be done when goods cross the border but none of these things will be binding on the EU or or other many of them won't be. And they'll only be written in to show that they're paying attention to the ideas of some Tory MPs. But the essential element of the backstop, which is the EU gets to veto anything it doesn't agree with, and and Northern Ireland has to stay effectively in the EU, will remain. Once you add a veto, it all becomes meaningless. Well, that's the crucial point. You know, Right from the beginning, uh, the EU has held the cards. That's, in my view, uh, an element of Brexit, that if you leave this organisation, which you're very dependent on... The organization is going to extract some very tough terms. And they haven't really shifted. I think there's a lot of commentary in other newspapers, dare I say it, that the EU is about to blink or there's a tough negotiation going on on private or Britain's not revealing its cards. The real negotiation over the last two and a half years has not been with Brussels. It's been with ourselves, with a divided society, a divided parliament, a divided government about what compromises we're prepared to make and whether we're prepared to admit that the promises made on Brexit in the referendum campaign are not going to be deliverable in the way that they were first presented.
0: Well, Boris Johnson, while a backbencher, wasn't making very many compromises with Theresa May. There must be a risk that someone, maybe even within his own cabinet, will see this as an opportunity.
1: Well, of course, there's the Boris Johnson playbook. You know, why is Boris Johnson the prime minister? Well, he first of all took a risk. He, he went and led the referendum campaign. Uh, then he resigned from Theresa May's cabinet as foreign secretary uh, when she came back with a deal. And then he voted against the deal uh, twice in Parliament, only finally coming around at the end. Uh, And if you were one of those uh, arch-Brexiteers in the cabinet, maybe with an eye for your own chance, you might say, well, why don't I follow the Johnson playbook? Why don't I resign from the cabinet? Because any deal involves compromise. Any deal with the EU inevitably involves giving them something. And uh, so this is why it's very risky for Boris Johnson. He'll, he risks a resignation in his own cabinet. He then risks, in my view, a very high risk of the deal them not passing in Parliament. Because even if you add up all the different groups of MPs, it's still really difficult for the government to get more than 50% because you know it, it, it's, it's a minority government. and There are, there are so
0: many pressures on Boris Johnson... He's got this deal in front of him. Either he signs his name to it or he rejects it. Can he survive as a prime minister?
1: Boris Johnson's already in a very unusual position as a prime minister. He doesn't have a majority in parliament. He can't call an election. Uh, So he's already much weaker than previous prime ministers, but he's a good campaigner, and he clearly has, as you can see from the conference, a lot of support from the Tory grassroots. So it's a kind of curious position he's in, There's going to be a general election in the next six months. Uh, And I think what's interesting is sometimes politics changes so quickly that you forget that three or four months ago, when he was standing to be the Tory leader, the one thing he was promising Tory MPs was that there wouldn't be a general election. Now we just assume that there will be a general election, and the only question is the timing. But all of that points to this essential problem, which is... The Brexiteers made a set of promises and have been unable to deliver on the promises, not because the Parliament doesn't have the right numbers for them. It's because some of those promises are undeliverable. And no one's really been prepared to face up to it. And when they have been prepared to face up to it, i.e. make compromises with the EU, they've been brought down. And every revolution in the end consumes its children. Just go and ask uh, Rob Spier, he had his head chopped off.
0: Like you've said, Boris Johnson has taken lots of risks to get here. You've known Boris Johnson for some time. Will he take this plunge?
1: I think he will be very nervous of taking the plunge on a deal. The problem is he doesn't really have many other options. The no deal has been blocked uh, because Parliament took control and passed a law that uh, stops him leaving without a deal. I think he correctly says it will be very damaging for him just to stay in limbo as sort of Theresa May was beyond this 31st of October deadline. A deal is risky though because it it means he has to put his name to something which which is a compromise and and something that he previously um, opposed. So of all the options it may be the least unattractive or the most at least deliverable personally but this is my you know, uh, slightly outlandish thought, Uh, I think uh, he'll end up and the country will end up with a referendum because that looks to me like the one route out where you can stay in charge holding the referendum campaign. It's a campaign that he's fought before and won, very obviously. Uh, And by the way, he gets to stay in Downing Street while it's being fought. And if he doesn't promise a referendum, I think the... The rebels and the Labour Party and the Liberals and Scottish Nationalists will, will combine and, and deliver one. That's just my guess. It's it you know, there's nothing certain about all this, but what I can tell you is that the evening standard will provide you with the very best guide going forward to what might happen.
2: Next. I wouldn't consider myself as brave, but the incident in question, it was it's my job.
0: PC Stewart out and survived a machete attack. Now he's getting ready to go back to work.
3: wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Shortly
0: after midnight on the 8th of August this year, PC Stewart-Outon carried out a stop on a van in Leyton, East London. He was then struck by a machete, receiving injuries to his head and hands, before managing to fire his taser. He's given the Evening Standard his first interview, which you can watch online, and we're honouring him with our first Progress 1000 London Hero Award. First
2: of all, thank you, for giving the award to me, um, it's an honour and privilege to be considered to be the first recipient of the award. I wouldn't consider myself as brave. But the incident in question, it was, it's my job. It's not putting it down or playing it up, it's, it is my role.
0: I'm now joined by the standards, Anthony France. Anthony, you met PC Stuart Elton. How did he strike you as a person?
3: A lovely guy, lovely and warm. Um, he came in with his partner Lizzie um, as well. A lovely young couple, a very ordinary young couple. His dad uh, was a Falklands veteran as well, and he served in the Met for 14 years. Um, You know, and as Stuart says, you know, he wanted to follow in his dad's footsteps.
0: Obviously, there are lots of things we cannot go into for legal reasons, because there is a trial due to start next year. But one thing that struck me was how he just considered this to be his job.
3: Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's just saying, you know, this was just a routine part of my job. Ideally... Would have been, the vehicle stopped.
2: Have you got any insurance? No, I haven't. Written out a ticket, seized the vehicle. He'd given him a receipt for the vehicle. So he can go to the pound in the next two weeks. And then he would have walked to the train station, which he was next to. Deal with the incident. If it
3: escalates, de-escalates. If it changes, we go with it. Training kicked in when it didn't go as he thought it was going to go. And again, he dealt with it. Um, as he would have done because the training told him that's how you deal with it. The details
0: of what happened will have to leave to the trial, but one thing we can talk about is how he managed to escape effectively. He used a taser.
3: That's right, yeah. Um, So he used a taser um, and a suspect was arrested. There is a massive debate at the moment about whether all frontline police officers should be armed with tasers um i know this is going to be coming up at the conservative party conference the initial feedback from met police officers is that some would like um to have tasers routinely going out with tasers but not all do um you know i think we've very much got a um uh, very much a history in this country where police officers don't really like to be armed but you know they are facing Uh, rising threats um every day out on there on the streets you know people are using violence like we've never seen before you know so yes it's the streets are more dangerous he spoke about the injuries that he has he was quite
0: badly hurt
2: i'll have the scars on my head for the rest of my life the scars on my hand they'll be for the rest of my life i'm still going through physio and rehabilitation on my hand in fact he's only just been able to close the grip on his hand it's coming along slowly but it's coming along in the right direction the um my staff at the Royal London Hospital, the trauma team, they've all been flawlessly excellent. To get me out of hospital within 36 hours and to be going back for my weekly appointments In the care that they've given to me is it's amazing. He's getting an award for, for, for bravery,
0: for, for being a hero in the Evening Standards Progress 1000 Awards. It's something he very much deserves, isn't it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the London Hero Award, this is the very first time uh, that the Evening Standard has given this award, um, you know, there can't really be a more deserving person than Stuart Oton.
0: You can find out who else is on the Progress 1000 list when it publishes on Thursday. Go to standard.co.uk. Keep up to date every day with our audio news team through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from the evening standard. We have a new bulletin every morning at 7. And the leader's here at 4pm every weekday with analysis and opinion. Subscribe to make sure you get it early. We would also love it if you gave us a rating. And let us know what you think on social media. Use the hashtag #TheLeaderPodcast. We're back tomorrow.